Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we've got a crazy story involving screaming in front of an entire crowd. But first a story from Port Au Prince. During World War II, when the Germans took over France, the French government had the elevators on the Eiffel Tower destroyed. So if their leader wanted to plant a flag on top of the tower, he'd have to take the stairs to the top. The Eiffel Tower was built in 1889 as a centerpiece for the 1889 World's Fair. It took two years to build this magnificent structure, which played an important role in history. Following the German invasion of Poland, France declared war on Germany in 1939. However, it only took six weeks beginning on May 10, 1940 for Germany to defeat France. Germany took over Paris, but the French resistance fighters, on the arrival of the Germans, decided to destroy the cables of the elevator so it would be impossible for their leader and the army to climb the 324 meter tall tower with ease. I think it's great what they did in an effort to try to stop some defacement of a huge landmark. Would you guys say that what these soldiers did was for the greater good, or simply just a small but positive type thing? Would it have looked horrendous for Paris to get immediately captured and a flag hoisted right away at the top of the Eiffel Tower? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from Anon Meowish. Going to obsessively stare at me from your car? Big mistake, pal. So I drive my wife to a clothing store, and while she's shopping, I wait in the car. About 10 minutes later, I notice a guy is staring at me from another car. Not a glance, a full stare. So I do the thing I normally do when idiots stare. I wave back to them. He waves back. Then I start blowing him kisses. And he still stares. Now, we're outside a women's clothing store, so I know there's a good chance his girlfriend or wife will be going back to their car. So I wait and wait, staring at him the entire time. This guy was weird. I wait until his girlfriend or wife gets inside the car. His windows are open, by the way. I go up to his car, point directly at him and say very loudly, I'm flattered, but I am not gay. Then I slowly turn around, walk back to my car, and continue waiting for my wife. If you're waiting for your partner, and there's people like right outside the entrance to the store, is it weird to keep looking in the direction of the store, and thereby kind of looking directly at these people? Or is it fair game for these people because they're literally standing right in front of the entrance? I'd like to know your guys' thoughts on this too. Our next story is from Uncle Bug Music, Six String Justice. 30 years ago, a music store co-worker named Jake and I started hanging out after work. We always had a great time, lots of laughs, and I thought he'd be the perfect fit in my band as a lead guitar player. He was. The other band members liked him and we all hit it off. We played a few gigs and finally got into this new place who would only hire four to five piece bands. And as a previous three piece, we couldn't get booked without our new addition. The owner just thought three piece bands sounded cheap and empty, his words. The place wasn't the best bar or anything, but they paid well, and it was another place to play and add to our regular gig rotation. 
The night of the gig came, and Jake wasn't there to help load in or set up. We started at 9.30, and still no Jake, but we had to play. The manager was on me immediately at our first break, figuring we lied to him about being a four-piece band. He was really pissed. I'm not gonna fire you, but you'll never play here again for pulling this BS. There was nothing I could do to convince him we hadn't planned it. We didn't have cell phones, 1989, so we literally had no clue where this guy was. And to be honest, I was getting pretty worried about my friend, as this was not like him at all. Finally, after two sets, Jake shows up at 11.15pm alive and well. He confided in us that he was banging some girl he met and that she took precedence over the gig. The guys were furious. The bar manager realized we were telling the truth about being a four-piece, but told us we would never play there again due to the unprofessionalism of our band, one guy. After the gig, the two other members told me to fire Jake. I was pissed off too, but because I did like this guy, I tried to convince the others to give him another chance. They wouldn't budge, so I told my friend at work on the following Monday. He didn't have much to do with me after that and was quite bitter about it. I felt bad even though it was his fault, but just did my job and he did his, and we stopped hanging out. That sucked because we really hit it off and I missed my friend. A couple months later, I get called into the boss's office and told that he's received tons of complaints of me not working, possibly stealing, and that he was letting me go immediately. I was stunned. I was very well liked and was great at my job. I was totally blindsided, but one thing my boss hinted was that it was Jake who had reported these things about me. Jake was also in very good standing with the boss. I told him none of it was true, explained the previous band situation as a possible motive, but it didn't matter. I was fired. Two weeks later, I received a call to come back to work. Apparently everyone in the store went to my boss to tell him he fired the wrong person and it was Jake who should have been fired, not only for lying about me, but how his behavior was terrible. I went back in and accepted a new position, where I learned inexplicably that Jake wasn't fired, but I was given the job he wanted. I wouldn't have to work with him in the store. I did the new job for 10 months, and decided to go back to school in September, but there were still two months. I'd mentioned it to the store manager, and Jake must have overheard it. The next day, my boss fired me again because Jake had once again made accusations that I hated the job and clients. Man, this guy was not satisfied with getting me fired just once. This time I just went, ah, screw it, and left. Sometimes the bad guys win when it comes to petty revenge. Life lesson learned. Well, not only was the friend here a grade A jerk, but very clearly the boss was equally a grade A jerk and Jake was up to their elbow seemingly puppeteering this boss. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Every single video has awesome stories, like our next one from I Am Hurting Cats. I'm a team builder. A few years ago, I was sitting in a job interview and the hiring manager asked, what do you consider the greatest accomplishment of your career? This gave me pause as I've been doing the same thing for over 25 years. I let the mists of memory transport me back in time. Dorian is the nurse manager, Kip is the program manager, Dr. Steve is the clinical director. Yes, I had three bosses. I started on the unit as an already seasoned, jaded, RN, and soon discovered that most staff who worked there were very, very young and inexperienced. For many, this was their first real job. They assumed all the weird stuff that happened every day was just normal for the workplace. 
Dorian had decreed that no one was allowed to write incident reports for med errors or safety issues because it makes me look bad in the safety huddle. Non-clinical staff allowed to pass meds, schedule changes without notice. Additionally, the department was easily the most toxic I've ever worked in, with various cliques at constant war with one another. I could go on and on. The troubles began one day when I opened my email to a message from Dorian which stated very curtly that I was being investigated for an incident which had happened on the unit, that I was to meet with HR to discuss it and for possible disciplinary action. I was not to discuss the incident with anyone. No date was given, no medical record number, no indication what the issue could be. I replied that I would need the above information, would speak with my union rep, and meet at a time convenient for me. Dorian declined to give information. I declined to meet with him. I began receiving emails almost daily, each more threatening than the last. I printed them all, contacted my sister, the employment attorney, tried not to start shaking whenever I had to check my email. I was keenly aware that this is Intimidation 101, but it is remarkably effective even when you know that. Because I'm not a direction follower, I was soon discussing this in the break room and before I knew it had been approached by three other women who had all received the same email on the same day. Comparison showed the emails being sent out about a minute apart. We didn't work the same shifts nor the same days. We agreed to call into the union rep and refused to meet with HR. Dorian continued to escalate, including cornering us in the hall, stepping in chest to chest and trying to stare us down. He was a very big guy. Before long, we were speaking to more and more women, and it came to light that Dorian had a habit of targeting them with this exact email, followed by others that were more and more threatening until the person would finally meet with HR, get written up for something vague, and then be forced to sign a non-disclosure slash no-retaliation agreement. It seemed that he had simply picked the wrong four women this time because we were not having it. I can't tell you how much time at work began to be spent with people crying while recounting their stories. None had thought to call in the union rep. They didn't even know their Weingarten rights. We began to plot. We had limited time, and our company has a long and unglamorous history of protecting people like this. Before long, the entire team was united against the common enemy. LGBTQ staff wrote up statements, backed with witnesses, of grossly homophobic comments, often in the presence of patients. Staff who were immigrants made statements about racial slurs. A staff who was incredibly petty and vindictive had been compiling a dossier on every perceived policy violation and wrongdoing on Dorian's part since his hiring date, and he prepped it for presentation to HR. The graveyard shift, all huge men, said, obviously Dorian isn't trying to flex on us, but we want to help. So they spent a couple nights cruising Dorian's social media posts and capturing screenshots of homo, trans, xenophobic, and misogynistic comments. Worried that they hadn't done enough, the night staff paid for a cheap background check, and what a score! DUI, failure to appear, hit and run, domestic violence, assault with a deadly weapon. Did the company not do a background check? What the freak? Finally, two women came forward with complaints of sexual harassment. One incident had even occurred in the presence of the assistant manager, and one was documented in an email. We were ready. We flooded HR with meeting requests, and our union rep coordinated the assault so that on Monday, we met for simple harassment and intimidation. I met first, and HR seemed unimpressed by my complaint. 
Tuesday, all LGBTQ and staff subjected to racial slurs made their formal complaints. They said that the HR lady looked tired. Wednesday started with the background check, moved into the minutiae of policy violation, and culminated with well-documented quid pro quo sexual harassment. The union rep informed HR that the union's attorney was eager to know how to proceed. HR assured her that that would not be necessary. That evening, Dorian posted a sign on his office door saying he would be away for a few days and to contact Kip or Dr. Steve if we needed anything. Graveyard Shift reported that over the weekend, housekeeping came and removed everything from his office except his name tag, which the night staff took as a trophy. On Monday at Shift Change, the CNO, COO, and HR met with the team and informed us that effective immediately, Dorian was no longer employed by the hospital. We all sat silently and politely until they exited the unit, when a loud and spontaneous cheer went up. People were hugging each other and cry laughing, high fives all around. In the aftermath, to the best of my knowledge, Dorian never worked as an RN again. Frankly, I don't care. Kip was fired three days later for having been aware of all that was going on and turning a blind eye, and because apparently he'd been touching women on the unit for a couple years. I hadn't been aware of that, but it came out in the HR meetings. Dr. Steve was also fired for sexual harassment. The unit hired an old manager of mine who had a long and well-documented history of, you guessed it, sexual harassment. I quit within days of him being offered the job. The department's foray into getting along crumbled. Most of the staff had moved on to other jobs where they seemed much happier. What do you consider the greatest accomplishment of your career? I sat up straight, smiled and said, I took a very fractured team and brought them together to achieve a common goal. I like to think I'm really good at team building. This honestly is a really good team building story. I think the only thing that just blatantly sucks here, which I think most of us can agree upon, is that nothing really was actually resolved in the end. They finally compiled enough evidence that the hospital could not ignore, and then they immediately and swiftly replaced them with the next man up on the horrible persons list. It's like a clear-cut case of you won the battle but not the war. You finally got the first one fired and it's like, alright, next harasser, step on up. And you go through three of them and they still hire more. Our next story is from Storyteller Eclipse. I hid from my boss. So this story took place at my first job at the Shining Golden Arches. I had a boss roughly four feet tall and acted like everyone was stupid except her. Her and I didn't get along, but since I got along with other supervisors, it didn't bug me that much. Until she started pulling this stunt, where she would ask me to stay past my 8 hour shift to get overtime. Overtime pay only gets applied if you work 30 minutes or more past an 8 hour shift. That tiny, bitter princess would force me to clock out at 25 to 28 minutes after, squeezing as much time out of me as she could without actually paying me for it. Supervisors sometimes got in trouble if they gave out too much overtime, so I could understand her trying to get help at the end of the night without getting in trouble, but then I realized she wasn't doing this to anybody else, just me. That made it personal. Coupled with the fact that she always had the worst attitude with me, It was clear she was just doing it to spite me. She was sweet with other people, but was always bitter towards me. Had me do the worst jobs, even forgot about my breaks from time to time, and never apologized for any of it. I decided I was going to push back. 
At first, I tried to be civil and ask her why I needed to clock out that very second. When she explained that she would get in trouble if I stayed too long, I asked why she let other people stay, to which she told me to stop talking back to her and just clock out already. She used her power as a supervisor to threaten an insubordination claim. If she was going to play dirty, then so was I. You see, fellow people of the internet, I might have been taller and heavier than my manager, but I could compact myself. I specialized in cleaning during closing time and would bend and squeeze my feminine body into the tightest of spaces to get the stains my OCD mind wouldn't let me leave behind. When my supervisor asked me to stay when it was time to clock out, I decided to enact my revenge. Very simply, I squeezed into a space that she would not find me underneath one of the machines. There was a lot of grime back there, so I managed to spend half an hour hiding from my pint-sized supervisor. I remember her calling my name, but I pretended not to hear and kept scrubbing away. At 31 minutes past my 8-hour shift, I finally revealed myself and stepped out from underneath the machine. My supervisor immediately saw and ran out to berate me from a foot below my eye level. How dare I clean out of her sight? Now she was going to get in trouble because she handed out too much overtime. I feigned ignorance and let her rant on while I watched the clock tick up an extra 5 minutes. Eventually her chihuahua tantrum calmed down and she told me to just clock out with a look of defeat. She never asked me to stay over my scheduled time ever again and avoided talking to me until the day I was due my final paycheck. She was obligated to tell me it was ready, since she was the only supervisor on shift. I never saw her again after that. I'm sorry, but is it even legal in most places to work 30 minutes past your 8-hour shift and not get paid overtime until only after half an hour? If I worked like 10 minutes of overtime, I'd want overtime pay for that. So having them work 25 to 28 minutes and then sign out just before half an hour? That alone is insane to me. There's something in general with this business going on that's just totally wrong with that. Our next story is from Estefania. My neighbor has openly expressed his anti-LGBTQ views to other people in the neighborhood. My neighbor across the street is one of the biggest passive-aggressive people I have ever met. One time when I was cleaning my yard, he made a comment about how the previous owner, Owner 1, kept the lawn pristine and that we should look into keeping it that way. He then proceeded to say that the person who owned it before the last owner, owner 2, kept the yard a mess and flew so many flags and never found a flag he didn't like. We had later found out that owner 2 was a gay man who lived there for 30 years, flew his pride flags for quite some time. Fast forward a few months, the bigot neighbor mentioned to our next door neighbor that trans people weird me out, not knowing that the parent of their child's best friend is trans. So what did I do? I made my partner mount a 3 by 5 foot progress pride flag on the fence that directly faces his house. I also bought a yard sign that has a trans flag on it that says, Hate has no home here, which also faces his house directly. Little did he know that not only am I a huge ally of the LGBTQ community, I'm a big advocate for trans rights. I'm also willing to fight fire with fire. He was really upset at us for putting up the flag, and I'm really glad I'm pissing him off. Bonus, there's a queer teen that lives in our neighborhood that came up to us one day and they said that they liked our flag and recently knocked on our door to ask for permission to take pictures around our yard for their photography class. I'm glad that they felt comfortable enough to approach us all because of the flag we mounted. I think more than anything, it's just good that OP, 
isn't afraid of showing their support when their neighbor very clearly showed they're either at least uneducated or don't understand the LGBTQ spectrum. I'm imagining because of their flag comments, they're probably not the biggest supporter, but I think it's good that OP's not afraid and is basically putting this beacon up facing them directly that says they're supportive and a haven for that community. Our next story is from Satanic Frijoles. Bully steals my sack lunch. I was on great terms with my biology teacher in high school. We had a beehive in our classroom, and the teacher was into local reptiles, so was I. One day, he gave me a king snake in a paper bag, so I brought the bag to lunch with me. There was this horrid bully. She was big, mean, and not quite right in the head. She decided to bully me by grabbing my lunch. When she opened it up, the snake slithered out, so I charged across the lunch court to grab it, while she did a terrified sort of hippo dance to get away from it. She never bothered me again. The petty revenge? I didn't tell her that wasn't lunch, because I wanted to see what would happen. Totally worth it. I would love nothing more than to believe that this bully from that day on, believe that OP somehow went and ate live snakes for lunch every day. If I was OP, I would show up to lunch with a brown paper bag every single day just to really drive the point and drive some fear into that big old bully. Our next story is from Clabancha. Idiot neighbor eavesdrops and I win. My neighbor is an idiot and we've been having issues with her from the start. Six hour relentless dog barking four days a week for years, yelling at me for stealing water flowing downhill, dead rabbit on the doorstep, the usual property line arguments, emptying her toxic hot tub onto our property, lying by the hedges to spy on us, Parties, noise, etc. ad nauseum. Just run-of-the-mill bad neighbor stuff. Eventually, we built a giant fence and it's kept the bullcrap to a minimum. Both yards have plenty of mature trees. We have three maples over 150 years old and a nearly 100-year-old birch. A 12-foot cedar hedge. Add that to the giant fence and the daylight is at a minimum in our backyard in the summer. Idiot neighbor had two century-old trees and a very mature mulberry tree that hung over the fence in the only area that enjoys direct sunlight. Now, this part is entirely our fault. One spring we built a patio there with a light gray stone. The mulberry has dark purple fruit and hers is extremely prolific. The week construction was finished was the week the berries ripened and began to drop in the slightest breeze. Sitting out there for any length of time, you would be pelted with berries leaving purple stains like you were shot with a paintball, and sweeping a path was the only way to not step on them. If this only lasted for a few weeks, it would be tolerable, but mulberries are in season all summer. The amount of birds that feasted on the fruit and promptly deposited bright purple bird crap on everything we owned outside was unbelievable. Purple bird poop dried everywhere on the patio and beyond. We started putting tarps over the entire patio to collect the bird dung coated berries and emptying them into a bucket every time we wanted to use the patio. Remembering our neighbor's penchant for eavesdropping, I began to talk about mulberry wine. About how good my mulberry wine was and how this year's bumper crop of mulberries was going to make so much wine and how we were going to go on vacation with all the money I was making from selling my mulberry moonshine. Visitors joined in in the act, claiming they could not wait for the allotment of my fabulous mulberry wine and offering bribes to be moved up the list. I don't make mulberry wine, never have and would not start with mulberry bird poop wine. One rainy early summer night, 
I heard and felt a tremendous crash. I ran into the backyard. The largest limb from the mulberry tree was lying in my backyard. A chainsaw was sputtering on the other side of my giant fence. The mulberry tree was coming down at night in a rainstorm. More evidence of her idiocy. There was a bit of yelling back and forth through the fence. Me about her being a dangerous moron and her to me about having a nice vacation without having mulberry wine to sell. She continued to cut down the whole tree instead of just the limbs hanging over our property. I laughed myself into the house, not quite believing my ruse worked so well, and revenge was finally mine. But that poor tree died needlessly. Barely a month later, a vicious storm blew through our area, splitting one of her mature trees in half and damaging the other so badly it had to be removed. Now the idiot has no trees, but all mine are still standing. I honestly think that OP's neighbor was one of those kids that, as a toddler, their younger sibling was like playing with blocks and having a total blast with it. And just because they were having a blast with it, they gotta go and take the blocks for themselves. They don't actually want the blocks, they don't actually want to play with them, they just hate that somebody else is having a blast and they aren't. Our next story is from Hokey Pokey Guest List. Neighborhood dispute started over grass and bins, ends with our tenants leaving. My kids and I moved house in March. Day two in my new house, I tripped over a broken paver. Didn't break anything, but I still needed surgery, a three-night hospital stay, and a full leg brace for two weeks. While I was in the hospital, my partner, formerly ex-partner, now reconciled, it's complicated, Martin, my dad, my sister, bestie, and her wife had formed an emergency team. They kept my kids and pets safe and fed, and finished the unpacking. Dad and Martin did a little garden work, removing the broken paver and laying some old fence posts along the fence where the next door neighbor's dog was digging through. Week one, I hobbled to the letterbox and met next door's landlord, who my partner had nicknamed the Bucket Woman. She immediately told me to bring my bins in by 9am because it made the street look messy. She demanded I move the posts because the grass would grow through to her side. I explained the reasons for the posts and said that once the holes were filled in, let me know and I would move them. And hello to you too. Week 1 bin day, 9-10am, the bucket woman banged on the door. I'm still in PJs and a leg brace. She complained about the bins. I said my bestie's coming by later to help me dress. I couldn't do feet. I'd bring the bins in later. When Bestie pulled up, she had to park out front because my bins were in the driveway. I checked. The council bylaws don't have a deadline for bringing bins in. Next, Martin got temporary approval to work from home at my place. I got home and Martin was escorting the bucket woman off the property. The bucket woman thought nobody was home and tried to sneak in to move the posts. Martin said next time he calls the police. A few weeks ago, the police arrived. Martin was at work and said a concerned neighbor called about a man and woman having a domestic dispute, and the man was destroying the fence. The bucket woman's out the front watching. Once they're satisfied I'm okay and there's no damage, I explain about last week and show them security footage. Later I see them speaking with the bucket woman. She isn't happy and she goes inside. I was working nights, and the police visit had taken up a lot of my precious sleeping time. I was fuming. Then the penny dropped. The bucket woman just let herself in while the tenants were at work. So I spoke to the tenants, and I was blunt. I asked if they were okay with the bucket woman being in the house while they were out, and said I'd seen her there at least once a week. In a nutshell, they were not okay with that. Later, one of the guys came around with a box of chalkies. 
thanked me, and said they were moving out right away. The bucket woman was furious at me. She says I made her tenants leave and got her in trouble with the rental agents too. She told me I made the street look messy and hang underwear on the washing line. So how will she get new tenants? I wanted so badly to tell her to get off my lawn. I feel bad for OP because they've got the neighbor from downstairs if you know what I mean. Imagine just trying to make it through life, working nights, just getting out of like a hospital stay, and every single day you've got to deal with some kind of crap from this landlord lady next door that just, no matter what, has something to complain about, always has an issue with you, is always a witch. At some point you're just like, God, I wish you would just disappear. And our final story of the day is from I don't know what I'm doing. I made a girl scream in front of 300 plus people. I like to think that I'm a nice person, generally speaking. I stand for what I think is right, and I try to help others in a way that doesn't make their failures look stupid. My classmate, who I'll name Sally for convenience, tends to think slightly differently. I normally wouldn't be upset at someone for not being loud, but Sally is loud in a way that irritates everyone. She makes fun of a dyslexic classmate of mine for not being able to read and loves to wait for after class to push people down flights of stairs. I would know as I was one of her victims. Since in a few years I would be doing my GCSEs, my school began to take end of year assessments more seriously. So we sit in the assessment hall and do our tests on a table by ourselves with all the other classes in our year. Sally had been… aggressive recently? Last week she pushed me down a flight of stairs and I landed painfully. Of course, she didn't get in trouble, and this is where my petty revenge begins. I found out that Sally isn't a fan of insects, specifically spiders. For the past week, I began spending hours walking around, going into public toilets and bushes, and collecting spiders, storing them in a jar. My little arachnid army has grown in numbers, and after discovering Sally's seat number in the assessment hall, I've been planting my little soldiers everywhere I could, even hiding some in her pencil case, under her chair, along the legs of her table, and basically anywhere else a spider could go without getting hurt. I cannot stress how amazing it is to see a bully scream her head off in the middle of an exam. She quite literally ran shrieking for help. I've never enjoyed a non-calculator exam so much before in my whole life. I do feel slightly bad, and I decided to free the rest of my spiders, but I think ruining her grades and turning her into a joke is worth it to justify my dislocated ankle and bullied classmates. I think spiders will be my favorite insects from now on. I mean, I definitely would not have the gumption to do what OP did here. I wouldn't keep a jar of spiders anywhere. But honestly, if somebody pushed me down the stairs and dislocated my ankle as a result of it, and there was no legal action done against them, no suspension, nothing like that, I'd be wanting some payback too, so I don't blame OP. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another revenge story that was even more insane than the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or, if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time for some more stories. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.